Well, my friends, would you please turn in your Bibles for the message, Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. Luke 1, 26, please. Luke 1, verse 26. Our theme today is how Mary can inspire us. And of course, I'm talking about Mary, mother of Jesus, earthly mother of Jesus. All right? Oh, my goodness. Whenever I read the Christmas story, I am inspired in so many ways. I'm inspired from Mary, from Joseph, from the various uh, parts of the Christmas account. And so I wanted to today to, first of all, first of all, tell you that Mary, this is the first truth, those of you taking notes, Mary can inspire us to believe that God can use ordinary people like you and me to make a beautiful difference in our world. That's right. That's right. Now, this truth comes from the overall life of Mary, and especially from Luke 1, verses 26 and 27, where we read, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, now that, that's a relative of Mary's, and she's in her sixth month, it says, God sent the angel, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. All right, a little bit later then, in verse 48 of the same chapter, a little bit later in verse 48, Mary says this. Mary says, For he, that is God, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. That's what Mary said. I like what the commentator in my New Living Translation, Life Application Study Bible, says. He says this. He says, Mary was young, poor, female, all characteristics that to the people of her day would make her, would make her seem unusable by God for any major task. But God chose Mary for one of the most important acts of obedience God has ever demanded of anyone. You may feel, you may feel that your ability, experience, or education makes you an unlikely candidate for God's service. And this author goes on and says, don't limit God's choices. He can use you if you trust him. Isn't that beautiful? He can use you if you trust him. Mary can inspire you and me to believe that God can use ordinary people like you and me to make a beautiful difference in our world. Amen? And a lot of times, a lot of times this can happen in simple ways. In simple ways, yes. For instance, last Sunday, last Sunday we were privileged to have our district superintendent, Reverend Steve Otley, bring the message at our Sunday morning 11 a.m. service. And later that day, later in, in the day, a wonderful senior lady in our church sent me a message on my phone telling me of how Pastor Steve's message was such a blessing to her. 
Well, I forwarded, I forwarded Flo's message to Pastor Steve so that he could read it. Pastor Steve read what Flo wrote, and he, 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 he told me, he told me that he was so very much encouraged and blessed by what she said, what she wrote. There, there is one little example of how God used a wonderful elderly person from our church family to make a beautiful difference in Pastor Steve's life through the note of encouragement. Isn't that wonderful? Sometimes simple things can mean so much to a person. My wife, my wife leads our youth ministry here in our church. My wife's name is Cindy. And after the youth program finished this Friday evening, I asked her, I asked how youth night went, and Cindy told me of the great evening the young people had at the church with careful COVID procedures to protect the teens. And then Cindy told me of how, in addition to the regular volunteers who assist her on Friday night, Friday night uh, she spoke. Cindy spoke of how Donna, a dear youth mother, also came to help that evening with the decorating and the program. And my wife told me, she told me of how Donna was such a big help on Friday evening with the teens. Amen. That wonderful, wonderful. Donna, Donna would probably tell you that she, she is an ordinary mother, an ordinary mother, but God used her in a marvelous way this Friday evening. Simple ways, but important ways. This past Monday, I attended the funeral of a dear elderly man. Most of you would not know him, but there was a lady in our church named Eunice in our congregation here who knew him well because for the past four or five years, Eunice was his caregiver in his elderly age. And after the funeral, I thought, I thought of how Eunice had been such a big help to that dear man, caring for him, helping him, doing things for him that he could not do himself in recent years. And I thought of how Eunice made a beautiful difference in the last number of years of this dear man's life. A marvelous difference as his caregiver. I say to you, Eunice is a precious symbol and representative of others, of others of you who also look after elderly people. Some of you look after them in their private homes. Others of you look after them in, in seniors' uh, homes and various institutions. Thank you to people like Isilda I for what you are doing for Stanley. His daughter often told me, uh, has told me many times of what a blessing Isilda, you are to her father. Praise God. Amen? Amen. Recently, many of you filled Operation Christmas Child shoeboxes, which are being sent to needy children in poor world areas. Well, I thought about that, and I thought of how it wouldn't be a surprise to me if for a lot of those children, the highlight the highlight of their year will be when they open up a shoebox of little gifts 
that you or you or you or you or you up in the balcony or you viewer sent because of your love and the time that you took to prepare it. Amen? And others of you recently brought in the winter coats which we gave out to people on a Saturday who needed a winter coat. God can use ordinary people, amen, ordinary people like you and me to make a beautiful difference in our community. And at this time of the year, as uh, Pastor Lisa announced, we are receiving a love offering, a love offering for Cuba missions. Our goal is f at least to give them 5,400. I believe we can and we should give them more than that. And we, we, we have helped the Cubans for several years now. I still, still have been touched by how a few years ago I was at what they call the General Assembly in Indianapolis. That's when about 30,000 Christians from Nazarene churches around the world meet to carry out business sessions on behalf of the global church. And when I was there, when I was there, one day, this young pastor, this young pastor, uh, the, there, were, there were a few other people that uh, initially said, Pastor Nick, Pastor Nick, Pastor Nick, there's a, there, there's a young pastor from Cuba looking for you, looking for you. Can you just stay where you are there in this big uh, convention center? Can you just stay there? I got to go get this pastor that's been looking for you, looking for you. And I said, what, what for? What for? Just wait. Just stay there. I got to, that young pastor is not far. I got to go get that pastor and then get you two connected. And so anyway, they got that young pastor and that young pastor came to me and said, Pastor Nick, I've been looking. I've been wanting to meet you. I've been wanting to meet you because I have graduated from our Nazarene seminary in Cuba. And they kept telling us that the seminary, the seminary is able to teach and equip pastors for Cuba because a church named Rosewood Church of the Nazarene in Canada is helping the seminary and I wanted to see who the pastor is. And I, I hugged that dear pastor at that time. It wasn't COVID and so we could shake hands and we could hug and, and to this day those words keep ringing in my ears, and that pastor went on to say, and it's not just me, Pastor Nick, I have so many friends who have graduated, and some are still in the seminary, and I, I, I just want to say thank you. I'm, I'm now pastoring the church, but I just want to say thank you for how your church helps us in Cuba. Thank you. I was thinking this morning as well about mo most of the technicians who operate our four cameras and what we call the switcher. The switcher switches from camera one, two, three, four. The operator switches uh, in accordance with what camera should be shown on, on the live stream. I was thinking of how, you know, we've got the technicians operating the cameras and the switcher and the computer. And I thought of how we have wonderful, wonderful volunteer young people being used by God to live stream our church services. Amen? Praise God. Now, I know that occasionally, those of you watching online, occasionally there are some technical glitches. But guess what? I see technical glitches on CBC and NBC and all those other places too. All right? So no one's perfect, least of all me. 
Uh, earlier this year, my youngest brother, Stavros, as we told you before, Stavros became very critically ill with COVID-19. He spent six days in a Toronto hospital. When Stavros left the hospital, he said this to me. When my little brother left the hospital, he said, Brother Nick, Brother Nick, the doctors and nurses in the hospital worked so hard. He said, they worked so hard to save my life and the lives of others. He said, they risked their lives to save patients like me. Stavros, my brother, Stavros left the hospital with a very profound and deep appreciation for the doctors and nurses who worked with the COVID patients. And I think, I think one of the reasons my brother was so touched by the hospital staff was because before he became sick with COVID, he thought, he thought COVID was some kind of a hoax and some kind of a conspiracy which he discovered was totally not true. So my brother left that hospital with this great sense of appreciation for the hard and dangerous work of the nurses and doctors and, and, other, and other staff members at the Toronto Hospital. You see, God uses ordinary people, in this case medical people who train who trained to become doctors and nurses to help bring healing, not, not only, of course, to my own brother, but also to many other COVID patients and other sick people. And we thank God for, for their work. We thank God. Because COVID has gone on for a long time, my friends, we have to keep praying for our medical community, for the doctors and nurses. We have to keep praying for the first responders like Porik here, who is out on the road with his associates in ambulances dealing with people who are greatly in need. Amen? You know, God uses people in the church and also outside of the church. I was thinking of um, the Lumsden family. Many, many of you here know Agnes Lumsden of our Rosewood congregation. Agnes has two sons, Kenneth and Dylan, who along with some other volunteers operate a boys basketball teaching program in the summer and in the fall. They not only teach, by the way, they not only teach the boys basketball, they also teach them important principles. They, they teach the boys uh, how to honor and respect their parents and grandparents. They, they teach them to be honest and kind and patient and and loving. And this past summer and fall, they used, they used our Rosewood Church basketball court for the boys' basketball program, where they used to uh, practice, uh, was not available for various reasons. Well, yesterday, yesterday, Kenneth and Dylan had planned a Christmas gift giveaway for the boys. They found sponsors from various companies. They found sponsors to provide Christmas gifts for the boys. And they invited the, the, the kids. They invited the kids and their parents to meet at the church here 
at the basketball court at 12 noon on Saturday. They invited me as well to be present as the minister of the church and to briefly address, briefly speak to, to the boys and their parents. They also invited uh, Dr. Raymond Cho, the MPP, the member of parliament for our area, uh, who also came to express appreciation to Kenneth and, and Dylan and the other workers and the rest of the volunteers for their labor of love and uh, participation in the boys' basketball program. And, and while I was there yesterday, several, several of the parents, I was trying to mix and mingle and meet as many parents as I could, several, several of the parents told me how much the basketball program means to them. In fact, one parent that I spoke with told me that they drive all the way from Ossington for the program. Some of you don't know where Ossington is. That's all the way west end of the city. West end. Just so that their son, who was <laughs> probably six foot three, so he could be a part of this wonderful basketball ministry. Amen. I, I, I want to say thank you. I want to say thank you to people like, like Kenneth and Dylan Lumsden for allowing the Lord to use them to make a beautiful difference in the lives of precious boys, young people. Amen? Thank you. Thank you. Now, you and I, you and I need to be reminded that God works through all, through all kinds of people, right? A mother by the name of Olivia Metcalf tells of how one day she, she ran out of gas. How many of you have ever run out of gas? You ever run out of gas? Wow. Yeah, quite a few of you. <laughs> Some of you are not wanting to put your hand up. I, I understand. <laughs> but anyway, she, uh, she ran out of gas with her two small children in the car. Obita, you know what that would be like, right? Now, she said she ran out of gas in a terrible part of the city with homeless people all over the place, shopping carts packed with junk and trash littering the roadside. Now here is her story. Here is what she says. She says, I tried, I tried to call my husband, but he did not answer. <laughs> uh, Ladies, normally if we husbands can answer, we will answer, okay? All right? But anyway, I tried to call my husband, but he did not answer. I wasn't sure what I was going to do, she says. I said a prayer and called my husband again. I couldn't leave my kids there in the car. I had no gas. I had no gas to, to I had no gas can to fill anyway. What was I going to do just then? Just then, did a minister show up? No. Did a police officer show up? No. Did a fire truck maybe show up? No. No. What was I going to do, she says. Then she says, just then, a homeless man came up. A homeless man came up and he pushed my car to the gas station. Isn't that wonderful? He pushed my car to the gas station. And she continues and says, 
he offered me his last $3 for gas. She says, I could smell alcohol on his breath as I asked him where he would be sleeping. He told me it would be on the street. Everything she says about him was outcast material. But he helped me that night. Perhaps I thought I should be the light bearer in this situation. But it was a homeless man who really was. God can use unlikely people. God does not, God does use outcasts to build his kingdom. God used shepherds and a homeless man to remind me that no one is exempt from being the hands and feet of God. Amen. Here is a second way Mary can inspire us. For those of you taking notes, number two. Why don't you, well, all right. Number two, Mary can inspire us to have confidence that ordinary people like you and me can experience the favor of God. The favor of God. Please notice, notice how God favored Mary in Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 28. Here it is, Luke 1, 28 to 30. Gabriel appeared to her, that's the angel, Gabriel. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. The Lord is with you. Confused, confused and disturbed. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You have found favor with God. Mary, by the way, was not the only one. Mary was not the only one who found favor with God. In Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, it tells us, quote, Noah found favor with the Lord. Also, when we read our Bible, we find that Abraham and Moses received God's favor. There is a, there's a beautiful modern song called Blessings. Blessings in which one of the lines says, May his, may God's favor be upon you. Isn't that lovely? May God's favor be upon you. Stick with me now. How? How do we gain? How do we gain more favor with God? Isaiah chapter 66 verse 2 gives us part of the answer. In Isaiah 66 verse 2, the New International Version translation says this. It says, These are the ones I look on with favor. With favor. Those who are humble 
and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my words. The New Living Translation of that same verse, Isaiah 66, verse 2 says, it says, I will bless those who have humble and contrite hearts who tremble at my word. In a sense, to have God's favor means to have God's stamp of approval, to have God's stamp of approval, and to have his added blessings. In Isaiah 66, verse 2, it says, I will, I will show favor or I will bless those who are humble. One definition of being humble is this, humble, having or showing a modest or low estimate of one's own importance. Do you and I have a spirit of humility? The next part of Isaiah 66, verse 2 says, I will look on with favor, or I will bless those who, who have humble and contrite hearts. C-O-N-T-R-I-T-E. Who have contrite hearts. What does it mean? What does it mean to have a contrite heart? To have a contrite heart means we express sincere sorrow for our sins. That's what it means to be contrite. We are truly sorrowful, sorrowful, if we've done something wrong, contrite. And then the last part of Isaiah 66, verse 2 says, I will, I will look on with favor, or I will bless those who, who tremble at my word. Now that's almost scary, isn't it? Those who tremble at my word. I, I, I looked up a lot of translations, and it was very interesting. So many of the translations use those terms. Who tremble at my word. What does it mean to tremble at God's word? I believe the message translation captures the meaning of tremble at God's word in an easier way to understand by saying that it means be, be reverently responsive to what the Lord says. Be reverently responsive to what the Lord says. That's what it means to tremble at God's word. It's to have a great sense of reverence for the Lord, to have a great sense of reverence for the word of God, to have a reverence for the things of God and not, and not be so, so casual and indifferent. Therefore, here is a little summary of how you and I can experience more of God's favor, blessings, approval, whatever you want to call it. Here, here's a little summary. Be humble. Are you? Am I? Be truly sorry for your sins. 
Are you? Am I? And be reverently responsive to what the Lord says, what he says in his holy word as to how we should live, what we should be like, how we should be transformed on the inside out. I heard, I heard Pastor Joel Osteen say these encouraging words about favor. He said, what God has for you in your future cannot be accomplished on your own. He says, the places God is going to take you, you can't get there by yourself. There will be obstacles that seem too big, dreams that seem impossible. You are going to need assistance for where you are going. The good news, he says, the good news is God has put something on you that gives you an advantage, an advantage that will open doors you cannot open, something that will make you stand out in the crowd. It's called favor. Favor will cause good breaks to come to you. And he says, one touch of God's favor is worth more than a lifetime of labor. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? One touch of God's favor is worth more than a lifetime of labor. My friends, Mary was a simple, ordinary young woman who expressed and enjoyed and experienced God's favor. Mary can inspire all of us here, and Mary can inspire you viewers to have confidence that we too can experience the favor of God. Here's a third way by which Mary can inspire all of us. Third way is this. Mary can inspire us to live a moral and ethical life. Amen? This truth came to my mind as I read Luke 1, verse 26 and 27, where it says, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. God sent, God sent to a virgin, a virgin. And then a little bit later in verse 31, verse 31 it says, the angel says, you will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. How can this happen? I am a virgin. The Bible here tells us that Mary was a virgin before getting married to Joseph. In other words, Mary lived a, a moral 
and an ethical life. What, what is the definition of moral? Moral means, quote, concerned with the principles of right and wrong behavior. It means holding or manifesting high principles for proper conduct. What is the definition of being ethical? Ethics is based on well-founded standards of right and wrong that tell us how you and you and you and I should live. Allowing Mary to inspire you and me to live a moral and ethical life affects all areas, all areas of our lives. Amen? It means, for instance, it means men and women, if you and I are married, we do not get intimately involved with some other man or woman. Young people, it means living a moral and ethical life means you do not have, you do not have sex with your girlfriend or boyfriend until after you are married. Living a moral and ethical life means when you are applying for a job, your resume is honest. It's honest. It means when you buy something at the store, if you, if you discover a little bit later on your way out of the store or when you get home, if you discover the cashier gave you too much change or maybe the cashier charged, charged you too little, too little on your credit card, you go back to the cashier and you say, I'm sorry, but unfortunately you gave me too much money back. You gave me too much change. Or I'm sorry, but you accidentally charged me two, $20 or $30 too little on my credit card. Please, let's just make this thing right, shall we? Amen? Living a moral and ethical life means you build up people, you build people up instead of putting them down, and you do not gossip. You do not gossip. Are you living a moral and ethical life? Living a moral and ethical life means if you are selling your, your car, if, you, if, if, if there is a hidden problem with your car, such as maybe a transmission issue acting up once every three to four weeks, which if you're selling your car, it can seem, transmission seems like, hey, perfect, no problem. But you know, there is a problem that prop, crops up every three or four weeks. What do you do? You tell the purchaser about the problem, or you get the problem fixed before you sell the car. And I know someone will say, well, you know, then I lose money. It's all about living a godly life, a moral and ethical life, amen? If you are selling your house and you know there is a substantial problem which pops up only during a certain month of the year and maybe the year or the month that you're selling it in, yeah, that problem doesn't pop up. But you know a few months down the road it's going to come up. Well, you, you, need, you need to tell the purchaser you need to tell the purchaser about that problem or get it fixed before you sell the house. What are we talking about? We're talking about living a moral and ethical life. 
Amen? Are you living a moral and ethical life? Mary inspires us to do so. Let me take you to a fourth truth, a fourth truth, a fourth way in which Mary can inspire us. Here it is. Mary can inspire us to believe that what seems impossible, God can make possible. This truth came to my mind, well, from the whole account, but Luke 1, verse 34. Luke 1, 34 says, Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she was conceived. But she has conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For the word of God will never fail. And then later in verse 45, in verse 45, we read, You are blessed because you believe that the Lord would do what he said. My friends, obviously, because Mary knew, Mary knew she, she had not been intimate with Joseph or with any other man, there was no way, there was no way that she was going to be pregnant. No way, Jose. Verse 35, however, tells us the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit came upon her and made her pregnant with the Son of God, Jesus. Yes. My friends, there are things in your life and mine which might seem impossible. They might seem impossible, such as a relationship that needs to be mended or restored. There are things in your life and mine which might seem impossible, such as a health need that needs to be met. And I want to thank those of you who, who every Saturday morning join Ernie Hall for the extended prayer time from 9 a.m. till 12 and 12.30, 1 o'clock, praying for many of those health needs and praying Wednesday evenings, praying in your small groups. Thank you. There are things in your life and mine which might seem impossible, such as a personal or business financial crisis that needs to be overcome. Or maybe a son or daughter, perhaps you have a son or daughter or other family member that needs to be saved. Or someone has a wife or husband that you're searching for. Some of you are looking for the right husband the right wife. If you don't find the right one, if you don't find the right husband and the right, right wife, don't get married. Amen, I hear a whole bunch of them. Right? And some of you, some of you, some of you need the wonderful miracle-working power of God to bring about a, a baby 
in your life. You've been married for who knows how long and you still haven't been able to have a baby. Let Mary's example inspire you to believe. Oh, when I thought of this young couple here, when I heard that they were expecting a baby, it was music to my ears. Leanna, it was music to my ears. Dear husband and wife, and I gave and I continue to give God thanks and praise. There's some of you here in the sanctuary and watching online who this year have had a baby after many years of praying and trying. And others of you who are looking to have a precious child, don't give up. Keep praying. Keep believing in the miracle-working power of God. Amen? Mary can inspire us to believe that what seems impossible, God can make possible. Hallelujah. Let me take you to a fifth truth. Fifth truth, it is this. Mary can inspire us to persevere when things happen that we wish would not have happened. Stick with me now, you'll see what I mean. Mary can inspire us to persevere when things happen that we wish would not have happened. Mary persevered through a lot. Anyone making notes? A, like Mary, some of you have had to persevere through times when family and friends didn't understand you or wouldn't believe you, right? Wouldn't understand you or wouldn't believe you. Think about it, think about it. How could Mary explain to her parents, to her relatives, uh, her friends, that she did not have sex before marriage and that her baby was a miracle child miracle child made possible by God himself while she was still a virgin. How could she explain that to anybody? And do you know what? Mary probably was not understood or believed by hardly anyone for about 30 years. Think about it. She was, she was not believed and misunderstood for at least 30 years because it really wasn't until Jesus was 30 years of age when he started his ministry and began to perform miracles and some people started to believe that Jesus was God in the flesh. 30 years Mary lived. For 30 years Mary lived with the heartache that Family and friends were looking down upon her, not believing that what she gave birth to, the child she gave birth to was, was conceived by God himself. My friends, it's possible you've had times when family and friends didn't understand or believe you. Have you had times, look, listen, have you had times when family or friends 
didn't understand you or, or didn't believe you, put, put your hand up, put your hand up. Have you had times like that? Yeah, yeah, I see quite a few hands. Yeah. Let Mary's example inspire you to persevere. Point B, for those of you taking notes, like Mary, some of you have had to persevere when a very special event in your life didn't turn out the way you expected. Most of us, you know, we, we kind of have certain expectations that this special event in my life is going to happen in such a way, it's going to be wonderful, it's going to be just the way I want it. For instance, I'm, I'm sure that Mary, like any other woman of her day, would have wanted, would have wanted baby Jesus to be born in a nice house or maybe some medical center of whatever they had in that first century. That's what she would have wanted. Instead, Jesus was born in a stable. Jesus was born in a stable and placed in a manger which was basically an animal's feeding trough. The birth of her first baby was obviously a special event as it is for any parent. But because they could not find an empty hotel room in Bethlehem, an inn as they used to call them, Jesus was born in a stable. But nevertheless, Mary persevered. Over the past nearly two years of COVID-19, many of you have had special events in your life which did not turn out the way you expected. For some of you, it was your wedding or special birthday, an anniversary or graduation. For others, you, you, couldn't hold, you couldn't hold the funeral for a loved one that you wanted to have instead of possibly having 400 or 500 people come to honor and celebrate the life of, of your loved one. There, there, were, there were times when we could only have 10, according, according to the government regulations, we could only have 10 or sometimes 20 or 30 people, depending on what was happening with COVID. And I want to congratulate and commend many of you here at Rosewood Church of the Nazarene for, for cooperating and persevering and, and basically saying, you know what, we got to do what we got to do. This is not ideal, but we're going to do our best to honor our loved one no matter what. Point C. Like Mary, did I mention Weddings, weddings, right? Some of you, some of you had to really change what you hoped for, what you intended for weddings, to hold your wedding. And I commend you for your perseverance. Point C, like Mary, some of you had to persevere through emotional pain which someone else caused and, and you had no control over it. You had no control over it. I was thinking of how soon after Jesus was born, Herod the ruler gave the order for all the baby boys in Bethlehem and the surrounding area to be killed. Herod had heard that 
that a king had been born and, and he, he was not going to allow that baby to grow up and uh, take away his throne. Herod was jealous. He was crazy as well. And he was not going to allow some baby that was born ultimately become king over his domain there. And as some of you know the story, God, God instructed Joseph and Mary to leave Bethlehem and go to Egypt before the baby killings started. However, I think, I think of how emotionally painful it must have been. Think about this. Think of how emotionally painful it must have been for Mary and Joseph knowing the slaughter of babies was happening because Herod's army was trying to do away with Mary's baby. Mary had no control. Joseph had no control with what the army was doing. But they knew, they knew that the slaughter of the babies in, in Bethlehem, the surrounding area, was happening because of their baby, because King Herod was after their child. And no one knew exactly where baby Jesus was. Some of you, some of you have also had to persevere through emotional pain, which someone else has caused you and you had no control over it. And that's so frustrating, isn't it? It's, it's one thing when you've got some control over something, but when you don't have a control over whatever, it's so frustrating. Point D. Like Mary, some of you have had to make major changes in your life just to survive. Mary and Joseph had to initially travel about 90 miles or 156 kilometers from Nazareth to Bethlehem, walking, maybe sometimes riding a donkey. They had to go to Bethlehem because according to the regulations, the, uh, the legalities of their day, they, were, they had to go to Bethlehem for this Count this census that was being taken. It took them, it took them at least five days. And because she was nine months pregnant, it probably, probably took longer. I did some reading on that, and no one knows for sure how long it would take, but, but uh, most would say it took at least five days. Those of you, those of you who have been pregnant, how would you, how would you feel about having to walk or ride a donkey for at least five, six, seven days just before you're going to have a baby. Mary was having a tough time. And then after Jesus was born, the Lord told them to flee, to run to Bethlehem, to, to run from Bethlehem to Egypt so Herod wouldn't kill baby Jesus. <clears throat> the distance from Bethlehem to Egypt is about 430 miles. Mary and Joseph had to make major changes in their lives just to survive. And many of you here have also had to make major changes in your life during COVID just to survive. And I want to commend you. 
I want to congratulate you for your perseverance. I want to commend you for hanging in there and saying, with God's help, I am making it and I will make it. Amen? Pointy, like Mary, some of you have had to watch a loved one suffer and die. Mary had to watch her son Jesus suffer and die on a cross. Gospel of John chapter 19 verse 25 says, Near the cross stood his mother Mary. Near the cross stood his mother Mary. Many of you over the past couple of years have also watched a loved one suffer and in some cases die. In some cases, the death was because of COVID. In other cases, it was cancer, heart attack, stroke, aneurysm, another illness, an accident. Mary persevered. May God continue to strengthen each one of you. May God strengthen you. May God strengthen you up in the balcony May God strengthen you, viewers, so that you can persevere. You can persevere through whatever suffering and pain you have gone through and are going through. And the last truth I want to share with you, truth number six, is this. God can inspire us to live a life of obedience to the Lord. This came to my mind out of Luke 1, verse 38. After the angel told Mary what was going to happen, that she was going to give birth to a, a, a child, to a boy, to Jesus, verse 38 says, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. In other words, she was saying, I will be obedient. And I will live out what you have told me despite the cost. Mary can inspire you and me to live a life of obedience to the Lord. And I encourage all of us to say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, to your will and to your way. I will trust you and obey. Yes, Lord. And the start, the start or the beginning of that obedience is when we first begin to decide to repent of our sins, to pray and call out to God and say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. And Lord, I believe I can be forgiven. Because Jesus, your son, 
born in a manger, ultimately died on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for my sins. And so now, Lord, I repent of my sins. And I want to give my heart to you, dear God. And I want to live my life devoted, dedicated to you. I want to live as a solid Christian, as a follower of Jesus. Jesus the Nazarene. I want to ask you to bow your head with me, please. Bow your head, would you? And if this prayer expresses the desire of your heart, would you pray it? Dear Lord, thank you for loving me. Dear God, I am being inspired by Mary to live a life of obedience to you. And to begin with, I today repent of my sins. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe Jesus died on the cross of Calvary to pay the price for my sins. So I receive your forgiveness. And I want this to be my first step of obedience to you. Oh, Lord, I want to say, yes, Lord. Yes, I will trust you and obey, for there's no other way. Yes, Lord, I don't understand everything in my life, but Mary inspires me in so many beautiful ways, some of which we've, we've heard today. Lord, I want to begin my spiritual journey this day. And I respond to your words, to your words, Jesus, where you say, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. Lord, I open up the door of my heart, my life to you, and I invite you in. Lord, make me, mold me, and transform me into the man, into the woman, into the teenager you want me to be and to become. I'm not perfect, Lord. And I don't know if I'll ever be perfect, perfect. But Lord, I, I want to be on this journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. I want to become more like you want me to be, making, making me, molding me from the inside, transforming me from the inside out, making my heart the way it should be, cleansing me, cleansing my heart. Purify me, oh God, purify me, as King David said. Purify my heart. And then, Lord, Lord, help me to, to go and tell it on the mountain. Tell it on the mountain that Jesus is born. Jesus, who came to be our Savior, Jesus, who is our Lord, Jesus, who is worthy of being praised, Jesus, who is worthy for us to share the news, to tell it on the mountain that Jesus is born. And because of Jesus, we have hope for tomorrow and hope for eternity. And we have the promise of heaven. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.